You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. Hi, everybody. This is Corey Minton with another edition of the Big Data Beard podcast. And today we are in beautiful Denver, Colorado at the headquarters of Arrow. Gentlemen from Arrow, David Potter, Global Applicator, Global Security Practice Lead. Thanks for joining us. Morning. Thank you. And uh, Frank Lyle, Splunk Sales Engineer for Arrow. How are you doing this morning? Doing fine. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I've got my buddy Brett Roberts with me today. We are uh, trying to fight through some of the wind, and we found out that uh, there is a pretty serious storm coming through, which is pretty common here in the Rockies. Yep. So so we we clearly know who Arrow is a little bit, and, and we heard on the Breakfast with the Beards this morning a little bit about who Arrow is. But for our listeners, listeners of the podcast, tell us a little bit about what Arrow's mission is and what you guys do in the tech industry. Sure. So from a corporate standpoint, you know, you'll hear us internally call it Mother Arrow, but Arrow Electronics is, you know, the parent corporation. Okay. Um, and primarily it is an electronics manufacturer, right? I think chipsets, boards, silicon design, things like that. Um, one of the, the cool things we get to say internally at Arrow is that you probably touch five Arrow products before breakfast without even thinking about it. That's you know, It's actually like the boards in your coffee makers. You know, you get a, a laptop there that mm-hmm. we may have actually designed some of the boards for, like the FPGAs and, and some of the ASICs for. And then we also have different pieces, right? There's so we call that you know Aero Electronics or Global Components. Then we have our Aero Global Services, which is kind of probably what it sounds like. We do some of the integration pieces. We might actually build some of the appliances. We might work with different manufacturers to put those pieces together and send them out to market. Mm-hmm. And then we have where Frank and I live is our ECS division or Enterprise Computing Solutions. Okay. There are things we love our acronyms here at Aero. So if I say one, you know, don't, don't hesitate to ask me to yeah, elucidate. I, we'll totally ask you. And, and candidly, I, I want to tell you. Your special but everybody's bad at it we oh, all I, of us love acronyms yeah it's a thing right yeah even the military brett, brett spouts off these things all the Especially. time about yeah, and they look at me like I have you know something Three on my heads. forehead. Yeah. Well, so what we should do is have you talk to our public sector group because then y'all could have that conversation, and we'd all just sit over here and say, yeah, yeah, whatever. Here. I heard one from Brett the other day. It wasn't an acronym, but it was an army phrase that I want to share because I felt not very smart knowing what it was. Have you ever heard of the term "lickies and chewies"? I have, and I cannot remember what it is. My father was in the army, so I. I, I so I got to give a quick shout out because I know he does listen to listen to the podcast. Glenn McCowan, he was my boss. Uh, he was major in the army uh, when I was a captain, and he would say that all the time. That's where I learned it. But it's uh, snacked. It's like it's you know small like chewable yeah. snacks, chips, yep. candy stuff like that. Yeah, so See, that feels very like uh, you, you made it longer because you could just say snacks, but lickies and chews. It's actually one the ones I learned from our Aussie friends. The uh, Sprinkles you put on ice cream? Yeah. They call that hundreds and thousands. It's <laughs> well, like you could just call it sprinkles. It'd be so much shorter. Yeah, but see, that's not how the military <laughs> that's works. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the Army's not about being efficient. Let's just be honest. Uh, exactly. we got to be complicated. It's probably one of the only terms that's not like that we don't have to censor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> most, most military acronyms, you, have to, you know, if they're colloquial, have to be censored, right? If there's an F in an acronym in the military, you can pretty much assume what that means. That's right. right? Absolutely. So, but so, yeah, so, but at ECS, so we're the distribution arm, right? Yeah. So our customers are going to be our resellers. You know, some of the big ones that we all know and love, our reseller community. Um, so then from our aspect, we do a lot of the pre-sales engineering, design on those pieces, consultative approach. That's where Frank and I live. That's what a lot of my job here at Arrow was the last eight years. Um, to the global practice lead, so then I kind of look at our entire portfolio. Okay, so the ECS team, 
Do you do you focus in on any specific areas of kind of digital transformation and digital disruption? Are there yep. specific strong suits for Aero ECS? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll let Frank get into this as well. So it, we've really pivoted, I would say, in the last probably six, seven years from really on more of a product set, like we're a data center company mm-hmm. or we're a security company or we do route switch yep. into more people saying, oh, I need to know how to do all these things because my customers are asking for that. So we're definitely looking at more of the business outcomes of, hey, I'm a, a retail organization. I want my folks to carry on an iPad and not have to come back and forth all the time. How do I do that? Right. Or, you know, we've always done X, Y, and Z with paper tills and mm-hmm. all that, or, you know, carried around things like that. How do we do things like that? Or, you know, we've got an old AS400. How do we get on to what's this cloud thing y'all are talking about? And then, you know, then of course my boss saw this Splunk thing and what the hell is a Splunk and how do I work with that? <laughs> and so I think so Frank does a lot of those pieces as well. Yeah. So can you give us some examples of just how you are doing that and some of the customer use cases that you're helping Yeah, well? Absolutely. So some of the things that we've been involved with, especially in uh, we see a, a big emerges in the IoT market, mm-hmm. which is interesting because everything's of IoT is the sensors, right? And that's that's a big piece of it, and that's a, a big part of the components piece. Mm-hmm. But realistically, a sensor is useless unless it does something, right? Absolutely. Neat. Temperature and pressure. Cool. I can graph it over time. We, It's, you know, collating that with, you know, weather data, things like that, mm-hmm. um, just-in-time inventory, pieces like that. So we actually see a lot of business cases. Well, there's there's a, a pretty big brewery around these joints that if you're in the Rocky Mountains, you're all probably familiar with. They talk about being cold brewed, and that's kind of their big uh-huh. claim to fame, right? We started out with them doing IoT tagging on kegs. For some reason, I'm sure none of us are guilty of it. Kegs seem to go missing around college towns. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know why you look at yeah. me when you said that. Yeah. So I, I, I have no idea what it, you know anything about this. Well, they start out with it doing geotagging, right? Where'd it go? Well, then they realize, well, with temperature and pressure on it, if I tear out the weight of the keg, then I can extrapolate how heavy is that keg. Mm-hmm. Then I actually can use the geolocation data to say, okay, where is it as far as on the route goes? And then start doing... We saw analytics on it of, hey, during a certain time of year, if the Broncos are losing, which is maybe this year, because I don't want to talk about that too much, beer consumption goes up in certain verticals or certain areas, right? So then it was a matter of, hey, let's look at staffing on those things. Let's bring in more people to do that. So that has actually driven quite a bit of that. And then where does all that data come from? Providing the customer experience. Well, now we got wireless issues. Well, we got credit card machines. Now we got PCI issues to worry about. All those, all those silly things that it's hard for one person to know. We have actually been able to bring in these disparate pieces of it to, hey, we build the sensors. Hey, we've got the analytics folks. We've got infrastructure folks. And so either we've brought in the right partners that say, okay, you're a Splunk crew, you got us to do that. You're a wireless group, y'all will do that. Or we act as more of a consultant fashion and bring those people to go say, hey, brewing company XYZ, here's what we think. Yeah. So we've had a, a really good experience with being the like almost pseudo agnostic consultative approach. And then they say, well, we like these guys and these guys and these guys. And we might say, well, we don't like X because X, Y, Z, we'd rather do this. So yeah. we've had some pretty good results that way. I love that. That's I love the story uh, only because we scooted right past uh, said brewery uh, and uh, big fans of the cold, the cold blue cans. Yep. Um, so, so one of the things that, that people may or may not know about Arrow is you, you guys have crazy number of partnerships. Correct. And one, I want to say thank you for partnering with the Big Data Beard for the road trip to Conf. I'm happy and to one, one of those important partnerships that you guys have is with Splunk, Correct. right? So I'm, I'm curious, Frank, maybe from, from your perspective, what, what really kind of prompted the, the partnership and the interest from Arrow with Splunk and how has that partnership evolved over time? Uh, well, um, I guess Splunk got to the point where they they knew that they need to have a, a focused, organized channel of partners. 
um, and you know came to looked at distribution as a way to uh, um, to grow that part of the market for them. And so you know, I think it was pretty much an obvious choice to um, have Arrow. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, the relationship we have with with Splunk is uh, that we manage. Uh, commercial business partners, mm -hmm. right? Where there's another distribution channel for uh, federal government or public sector type of mm -hmm. partners. Um, and I, uh, I th think it made, made a lot of sense. A lot of these uh, companies, these these resellers and these MSPs, these service providers, many of these are already customers of, of Arrow anyway. Okay. Um, so, you know, we can work with them on a, uh, a type of uh, product and technology in the marketplace that's mm -hmm. um, really hot and, and exciting and growing and allow these companies to, uh, you know, diversify in some cases and other cases, uh, grow a, not necessarily a new dedicated practice, but incorporate something into a practice, mm -hmm. uh, kind of let them take that next step. So not only helping Splunk customers adopt the technology, but actually helping their their partner, their channel community uh, is part of the role for Arrow with Splunk. Is that right? Yeah, and, and there's really a, an approach, going back to what David was talking about, that, um, you know, part of the, the other approach, uh, kind of a two-prong mm -hmm. methodology, which is is to get outside of just dealing with IT and start dealing with a uh, line of business. And what I mean by that is really take a look at an organization and say, what are the business objectives, right? And then what are the actual initiatives mm -hmm. that they are running? Can I get involved in one of these initiatives? And then what are the challenges, right? Yep. And if we can put together a value proposition that says, look, I understand your, your uh, objectives. I understand how to work with you and improve this initiative, mm -hmm. whether it's cutting cost or you know, bringing it in on time on budget, whatever it might be, and then overcoming and, and dealing with the challenges uh, then all of a sudden now we're working with line of business and we're working with IT. We're bringing both together. And, and being able to do that with our partners is all about allowing or helping build that practice, you know, to uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, it's, enable it's, a whole other type of business. One, one thing that you hit on there, which is use case is so incredibly important and tying a technology initiative to a business outcome and a business use case. And I'll tell you, the, the folks that we've talked to over the years in this podcast that have been most successful, and if you go back and look at the ones that were really successful in the market versus the ones that have struggled, it's that focus right there. And I actually think that's one of the things that Splunk has done a really good job of is they took their technology, which was, you know, people many, many times pigeonholed it, right, as mm -hmm. this log indexer and analyzer. Yep. But through their acquisition strategy and their focus on use cases has broadened. Absolutely. And crazy kind of broadened. So I'm curious from your perspective. I mean, you got a security practice lead. you got somebody focused on Splunk. I know you guys have. We saw your some of the IoT cars with the SAM car. Yep. Right. What are the most popular use cases that you're seeing today and the outcomes that are people that organizations are trying to drive by partnering with Splunk and Arrow? Well, would you mind if I kind of preface that with something Please. before we end? Lay it on me. So, you know, as, as we talk to customers from coast to coast, mm -hmm. uh, we're seeing, you know, more and more organizations embracing, you know, the, the, the idea that their what we call machine data mm -hmm. is a very important critical asset of their business, right? Uh, it's just a matter of now we've got this stuff. What do we do with it? How do we find value in it? And more and more people are, are they understand that and are doing something with it. So, we're starting to see more of an evolution. Uh, on, I'll get to this in a minute on the, on the other end of this, but it's, it's just like any other raw material. Uh, you start out with data, and then from the data you can get what? Information. Mm -hmm. And then from information you can grow that to intelligence. Uh, and a lot of organizations stop there, right? Which is all well and good, but 
you know, in, from my perspective on it is I expect a business to be intelligent. Mm-hmm. I expect people working in business to be intelligent. That's that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Uh, I think there's another level. And there's there's organizations now that are starting to take it to that next level beyond intelligence, which is a word I'm calling wisdom. Okay. Right. So instead of just making intelligent decisions, doing something because it's an intelligent move, making a wise decision. Right. Is this a wise financial decision we're making? Is this a wise competitive uh, decision we're making? Puts in a better competitive uh, position, things like that. So it's kind of that. that next so, so building on that collective intelligence, right? How do you codify that tribal knowledge, those activities? I, I like that. So, so I wanted to preface by saying that. And, and then the other thing uh, uh, before we directly answer your question is that the real value in, in a product like Splunk, or for that matter, assembling big data type of uh, analytic products and putting them together, the real value is in supporting multiple use cases. Absolutely. That's where customers come to the realization that uh, we'd really see value in this now, right? As a matter of fact, we would have paid a lot more for this, having known up front that what it's worth. Because what they're, what they're saying is that, um, you know, if, if, if I look at this solution just as a a point solution against some other point solution. The other point solutions typically might look better, right? Absolutely. Because they're, that's what they're built to do. Mm-hmm. But a platform like Splunk, you really need that. I'm just saying this to the whole community. You really need to kind of embrace the idea that if, if I can take that same data uh, and, and apply different use cases to it, so I'm doing things with security, I'm doing things to manage my fraud, uh, things like we talked about, to, to deal with all different lines mm-hmm. of business, yep. it's your data. Yeah. Go ahead and use it. Absolutely. Then you then you see real value in it. Absolutely. So I know we're going to shift and, and, and move into other things, but as as David pointed out earlier, um, you know there there's some things that seem to be taking a bigger slice of the pie than uh, than our you know traditional just IT ops things, mm-hmm. which is uh, cybersecurity and everything under that mm-hmm. whole umbrella. Uh, the the market of uh, not necessarily just uh, um, Internet of Things, but the whole asset intelligence. Uh, are, are really starting to explode. Absolutely. So we're seeing lots of uh, just innovative ideas, uh, and uh, you know a lot of a lot of work going into formulating strategies that they're you know ready to take to market. So Frank, I like that idea of moving from intelligence to wisdom and that like evolution. There's going to be some challenges that customers face as they have as they make that progression. What are some of those challenges that you're seeing out there, and how are has Arrow and and really using Splunk helping solve those challenges? Oh, it's it's all over the map. Uh, yeah. It's because it's not just uh, you know, a point solution where we're you know mm-hmm. dealing with any particular types of things. I, I think some of the challenges that we're seeing are that um, you know as you start talking to businesses about a very specific thing, is something doesn't exist already. Okay. Like we we don't have an app or an environment built to handle that specific use case. Mm-hmm. We got to go develop that, right? Now, chances are it may have been developed, but somebody's keeping that real close to the vest, right? That's their that's their mm-hmm. IP. Uh, so it's you know they're not just putting it out there public anymore. Uh, so I think there's a huge opportunity for our partners uh, and for the collaboration between partners and, and companies they deal with to you know to to go create these solutions. The, the capability to create these and spin these up quickly and cost effectively is here today so it's, it's a big answer to your question but that's what's really the reality is is we need to identify these things and, and create them and then you know once you've created that chances are that same problem is gonna 
resurface them and emerge somewhere else, and you can address that then. So, you know, that could be your their, your new IP. Yeah, no, and, and that does make sense. I'm sorry to cut you no, off. You're good. Even when we were building out use cases for the IoT RV, it was, there are certain things that we didn't have, and we wanted to move from descriptive to diagnostic and kind of progress in this evolution of data analytics, and we would have to go build that out, and we would have to figure out, okay, what data source do we need, and then actually build out what scripts do we need to make, and there was a complex and time-consuming portion to actually trying to make that evolution. So completely understand what you were saying. I think one of the, to kind of go along with that, you know, we talk about going move from intelligence to wisdom, which I think my mom is still waiting for me to make that. <laughs> but from a, from a business case, from a, one of the more interesting things I've seen in organizations, and it's funny because it's when we're sitting right here in the shadow of, you know, the Fortune 100 company like this, mm-hmm. it's very interesting, right? A lot of it is that You've seen a lot of these organizations, whether they're IT or line of business, and, and especially around Splunk, you see it a lot, is I think the challenge has been is I'm not going to give you that. That's my data. It's my business unit data. I don't want to share that. And what we really see is that it's actually the more stuff you're willing to throw in that same bucket, at first it's like, holy, what do I have all this mess of silliness? But you start finding those you know patterns in there. And what's interesting is People think that, well, of course that makes sense. We actually find that when you base it on the data, mm-hmm. a lot of it's really counterintuitive. Absolutely. Like, well, I, what the hell? I would have never thought that, but the, the data bears it out, right? So I think you look at, you know, security is one of the easy ones. I use that for quotes, right? Because it's pretty simple, log data, source IP, bad thing, signature, do a thing. When you start looking at, like, you know, this building, you know, Davis, or, you know, Frank has his badge and I had mine on earlier. We start seeing places where there's more of that blend, right? To where are people in the building? Mm-hmm. And there is a, a use case for that from both an analytics standpoint of where do people spend their time in the morning? Where are the normal bottlenecks? Do we need to think about preloading the HVAC system? To tying it into an IT thing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that obviously the security thing there is, okay, if my badge isn't present, I probably shouldn't allow you to log in. Um, where do we spend the most time in the building? And But then you also get into more of the not from a secure standpoint, but near and dear to my heart, and that's the other half of my brain that we'll go over with a beer later, is the privacy aspect of Mm -hmm. it. You have all this data, right? And analytics only works at scale, right? And it's a pithy thing to say, but it's also the truth of it. Absolutely. So then you start looking at if if I'm Arrow and we want to do these cool things, we have all these IoT neat things, and I'm looking around the parking lot here, we're outside, and there's all these brand new cars, and I'm a car guy as well. So the Corvette's the coolest thing we do. But all these cars, new cars have... Wi-Fi in them. They've got trackers and y'all are carrying a phone on you. So do you extend that digital shadow, as it were, to your employees? Where are they at in the you know in the city? Or can we do safety things like that? Right? If there is in the, the terrible world we live in, if there's an active shooter event, right? Where are my employees at? Mm-hmm. If there is an action I twenty five, do we automatically you know notify their supervisors that mm-hmm. all these things are there? So there's this idea of you can do all these amazing things with it. But I think that before we get to there, we've got to learn to be better custodians of that data for folks. Mm-hmm. And then each of these different discrete business units, they have to start learning how to work with each other more effectively, right? Absolutely. Instead of making those silos, what are the commonalities in those data? What are the common use cases? And how, and how do those analytics play into that whole bigger strategy for an organization? And that's not an easy job, right? No. Because you've got A, the raw data, and so you've got to have someone like a Frank that can understand that mm-hmm. craziness. But then you're also asking these folks to understand what is Arrow's business? How do we go to market? Where are people coming from? And so that can be a, a pretty big job. So I think in the next probably three to five years, that's the real challenge, right? Yeah. I think some of the technical challenges have been addressed in a fairly effective manner, right? Yeah, we still need data scientists, but hell, I can give, you know, me 
a, a tool set and get some analytics out, and I don't need to be a data scientist, right? I can probably BS my way through some of it, some of the cool tools that are on it. So I think you get those tools into the hands of the business owners, that's where you're really going to start to see some of these really interesting use cases show up. Absolutely. So from our aspect, those partners, you know, to, to kind of tie it back, mm -hmm. they're not going to have $200,000 data scientists, right? Yep. They're not going to have these folks. That's where folks like Splunk and Arrow we can really bring to bear, right? We either have those folks or have those relationships. So if you come and say, hey, you know, I'm going to start the hell with this podcasting stuff. We're going to start a brewery, <laughs> you know, but we need some data scientists. Yeah. You know, we would come to Arrow and say, hey, need a data scientist. We'll give you a free keg of beer. Y'all give us a data scientist. There you go. You know, I think, I think those are the places where we can really bring that to bear for yeah. the channel and for the Splunk relationships. So you made a nice transition there because I want to talk about the security practice within Arrow. So the, as you said, a lot of the technology challenges have been addressed or they're being addressed very effectively mm -hmm. and they're getting easier. Uh, call it democratization, call it what you will. Yep. But there's still obviously a very real need for great uh, partners and great consulting capabilities. Yep. From your perspective, leading the security team, what's what's sort of the vision for the Arrow security practice today and, and in the near future? So for Arrow, for any large organization that has a security practice, the technology is going to change, right? Mm -hmm. Today, something's really cool. Tomorrow, something else will be neat. The reality of it is, is that you know, I and mean, if you don't know the stats, I'm not gonna, I won't go way into them. But security is wildly understaffed. Mm -hmm. The organizations keep getting complex. Now, you know, tie it back to the the scenario I just painted with all of our cars and vehicles and all that. I got data in motion. I got different users. I got public users. I have private users. Mm -hmm. I have all this. Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, mm -hmm. the nerd part of my brain just had an overload meltdown of like, are you joking yeah. me right now? Um, really long story short, but I'll go into it, is automation orchestration. Mm -hmm. Um. For years, I've been in the security industry as an actual practitioner before I learned to speak English semi-coherently um, on that side of the house, right? And it was always, we were always in the fear of don't block anything because it breaks something, right? Mm -hmm. IDS, we always had in detect mode, never mm -hmm. in that mode, right? We would always watch these things. Realistically, and I'm starting to see the shift, and I'm probably one of the, the different ones on it. I say break it. Stop something before it bad happens. You know, I've talked to you know, a lot of CEOs and, and CISOs in my you know years here and been very grateful for it. But some of them have that we can't stop business. We can't stop business. Mm -hmm. I say bull. Yeah. Because what a five minute outage. Okay, that sucks. That costs you a million dollars. Let's pick a million dollars, right? Yeah. yeah. How bad is it going to suck if Arrow gets smacked by Crypto Locker? And I have to repair mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of workstations. We know the bad actors. We know what bad looks like. We know what stupid is, right? Mm -hmm. Just automatically stop and block it. Yeah. Because A, parsing Splunk logs day in, day out makes it's why yours is gray. That's why mine is gray. Because <laughs> that stuff sucks, right? Yeah. No one wants to do that all day long. Absolutely. So automate it, get rid of it, orchestrate it. You know what bad is. Block it, drop it on the floor, ignore it. I don't need to be alerted of that. Call actual relevant data, look at good data. Mm -hmm. So I think the more stuff you tie into, especially from security, firewall logs, switch logs, router logs, workstation logs, yes, they have their place. But you start looking at the behavior of it. Where did it come from? What time of data did it come from? How long has it been doing that? That becomes an interesting piece, right? Start tying in physical, physical data, like where's the badge at, right? Mm -hmm. Where's that vehicle at? Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. Um, you know, I think you're going to see identity is really where, where things go, right? Absolutely. What Because 
that bottle who cares if it has a pressure temperature sensor on it what's going on with it where did it come from what is that device doing identity is doing and i mean identity with devices as well mm -hmm, not just people but an iot device right we mentioned temperature and pressure sensors right well that that bottle if it has one for example you know it's going to have a sensor in it at some point um it will tell you where it's at it'll tell the bottler you know how long it's been on the shelf it'll tell the store and that's they're being developed right mm -hmm. Now, should that thing be talking to the gateway, or should it be spewing information to Kazakhstan? Absolutely. You know, <laughs> you know maybe, maybe yeah. not. Maybe that's where your distributor is, but the that that becomes an issue of knowing what that data looks like. And I think that candidly, we have a pretty poor idea of what good looks like on modern networks. Yeah. So I think that has to be solved first, okay. and then uh, huge in the automation orchestration tool set. And again, I'll get off my soapbox because no, that's, that's another podcast. No, I, I'm, I'm curious because I want to go a, kind of a layer deeper into that. So when you think about automation and orchestration, are there emerging technologies today that you think make that more possible now than it ever has been? Yeah, I mean, you know, Splunk made an acquisition in that area. You know, the, the Phantom acquisition is huge for that. There are a lot of others. There's some others out there. We can name them off. But you're already seeing it. And, there, and there's just the traditional tools we've always used, Python, you know, Bash scripting. You know, Linux has been far ahead in that for a long time on those things. And there's a lot of stuff out there. I think what needs to happen, though, is that, bluntly, get on board with it. Right. Instead of deciding you want to tell your your sizzle, oh, we blocked three million attacks last month. No, you didn't. Yeah, you blocked two point nine million drive by scans from some idiot on a Comcast router in his house. <laughs> you maybe actually really defended one or two, yeah, actual attacks. Right. Yeah. So, again, parse that silliness out. You know, separate that wheat from the chaff, as yeah. it were, or, you know, the really bad from the, the you know, the, the script kitties out there. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of places emerging in that. Now, there's some interesting work, specifically around security, but there are some open source initiatives on there. There's the open exchange layer, um, you know, there's the MITRE, the MITRE attack structure that's mm -hmm. out there, some open source tools on there. Um, surprisingly, you know, McAfee and some others are working on the open, the, the open DX layer for some of this exchange stuff out there. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is hugely important, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants their secret sauce, and you're locked. Oh, it's my, it's my stuff. Mm -hmm. Neat, cool. I get it. However, there is a benefit for all of us to share that security information, right? Yeah. Because absolutely. without having that, all the cool stuff that we can do is pointless, you know. And and you've seen it, right? I mean, on the nation state level, right? I mean, we we see it again and again. It's it's on the news every day, right? We see it with foreign countries, you know, stealing our intellectual property data. It's been a proven fact, right? So if we can actually automate responses to those things that are just, well, duh, just do that. And so I think, so quit saying, well, duh, people, and actually go get it done, right? Use those tool sets, whatever flavor they are. Absolutely. But I think you're seeing that more of those are having some commonalities to them. They have common APIs or, or common exchange vectors so they can actually take some of that data and do something useful with it. No, absolutely. I'd like to make another comment on what Deb was just talking about as well. As I talk to people, organizations all over the place, um, they're all asking for automation. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, they, want, they want to automate. The other thing is, is uh, just like sprawl of so many other things in our industry, there is an enormous sprawl of uh, security tools and apps and things, right? Mm -hmm. and dozens of them in, in any organization. Um, customers, they want to have their hands in the stuff, but they don't want to have their hands completely in the stuff. So I'm also seeing a, a real trend, a real move towards a kind of a co-managed arrangement, right? Mm -hmm. They want to have their hands in it. They don't want dozens, dozens, dozens of tools. They want a few. Um, they, they want to use those things to automate, but they want somebody else kind of taking over a lot of the heavy lifting and, and work that they feel they, they just don't want to do all day long. It's just kind of the trend I'm seeing. So no, opportunity I mean, to, uh, to chase that.
No, it makes sense. And I also think that uh, in this this growth uh, of all these different trends but, or tools, but also techniques out there. So all the, the changes and evolutions in things like machine learning and deep learning, how is that impacting the cybersecurity landscape today? So machine learning for sure, right? Um, if you look back, gosh, you know, 15, 20 years ago, my, is it, has it really been that long? <laughs> you know, you look at things like Snort, right? Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with Snort, you know, it was pure signature database, right? We had to look for it, see what that is, and any variation therein creates a database, right? And you, you saw it with antivirus, right? How many times you download a DAT file or whatever it might be from whatever it is. Now you move into it where endpoints are looking at what's the behavior of it, right? What does it look like? What does it feel like? So in the same way, I think that would be a huge boon in cybersecurity if you see what does, again, what does normal look like? If you know what good looks like in a network, then you can almost inherently understand that that's out of the normal, right? Now, is it necessarily bad and, you know, drop it on the floor? No, maybe we're just bringing on a new business partner that we have to establish some connections. But the tools are out there. But again, I think the, the frustration is in any tool set is that we have a lot of folks in the industry, and, and not good or bad, just the way that the training is, that know enough to be okay in their own job. Mm-hmm. They do not have the ability to fully understand how to automate, how to orchestrate, or how to set those baselines up. So I think, for, especially we'll, we'll stay with security, if we could get better baselines, and whether that's from you know large data sets that are shared out, or... I think what needs to happen is more assessments, mm-hmm. and that means assess your networks, people, run the assessment, get some baseline to understand what that is, right? I'm not saying you don't go block things, but then pull in these threat feeds, pull in other pieces like that, mm-hmm. and darn it, people, do not be afraid to ask for help. There, there. This is a community. I think really everybody wants to protect their own jewels, and I get all that, but there is a community out there and reach out for help, right? Frank made a good point. Especially in, I think, the the big data space and security, we really see it. There are some folks out there that are super, super sharp at it, mm-hmm. and they have managed service providers. They're there to help you do those things. So learn from them. Use their experience, and if you don't have the resources or the wherewithal, go use that, right? Go grab that. Um, I definitely see that's where it's, go to stuff like you know Ret, like Black Hat, go to stuff like RSA Commerce, go to stuff like .conf, and yeah. network with your peers. Well, so you bring up Black Hat, so that so that actually makes me think of the other side of it, which is like, how are you seeing the threat vectors change as adversarial groups, whether state actors or script kiddies or <laughs> whatever right, word you want to use right, for it, whatever yeah. they are. How are you seeing those emerging technologies like AI and machine learning? make oh, that yeah. threat vector so they're, much more dangerous. They're, they're using the same darn thing, right? I mean, it, it's the, the whole paradigm, the arms race. Yeah, but it, but it really is. And, and actually, it makes the adversary's job that much easier, right? Oh, Because absolutely. they've... It's an interesting thing, right? I, I was talking with one of our gentlemen that did IoT, and his name escapes me, right? but a PhD, way smarter guy than, mm-hmm. you know, me. But he said, you know, what would you rather have from an attack perspective? One... $10,000 machine on AWS or $10,001 machines in AWS. Because now it's a matter of scale, right? Because now yeah. you've just built your own denial of service. You know, Absolutely. Like, oh, yeah. you, know, you, you think about that, it's like, you don't necessarily need all that horsepower. You just need a whole bunch of it spread across <laughs> yeah. a big attack surface. But the same thing, you know, you've got all these built-in functions. You've got all the tools that are available for you. Yeah. And it lets them really shift that. You know, the, the I think the days of... You know, oh, I own Target and I stole something from them, mm-hmm. you know, because that was an audition. And that's still, you still see some of that at Black Hat, right? It's an for audition sure. for it. But realistically, now it's about corporate espionage or nation state, you know, IP theft, mm-hmm. right? And 
companies and nation states are paying for it, or it's it's a matter of modern warfare. And that's I'm not overstating it, right? It really is. It puts somebody at a disadvantage to do it. Absolutely. Um, so where do I see it? it? You know, definitely it's. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying don't protect your home networks, but realistically, these these folks are not going after you and I. No, you know, whoop de doo, right? Neat. The value I, of them getting exactly. a thousand kid pictures right. is low. Neat. I stole Frank's credit card and I charged ten thousand on Corporate American Express. Yeah. Woo! You know, I actually stole design work from, you know. A defense contract, yeah, absolutely. You know, something like that, um, and it gives them an advantage over our economy, and you know, it, it's a potential target act. Now, where does that go? I mean, that's those those decisions are made way above my pay scale, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but I do see it as definitely being something that all of us should be aware of. So, I think from so you you both gentlemen work in this area. You're day in day out talking to a lot of customers. When you think about the folks who are successful in uh, creating a, an appropriate cybersecurity practice if you were to sum up uh, those those good bits that people do well what would that what would that advice be from your perspective if you were to give one or two points of like you need to be thinking this way or be doing this thing for folks that are really like executives or practitioners in IT trying to build out their cybersecurity practices I'd like to I'd, yeah I'd, do I'd, go ahead I'd like to start this and uh, you'll, you'll actually have more flavor to it but uh, something that it seemed like we used to talk about, you know, the, the, the vendors, everybody we, we dealt with um, last few years. Not, don't hear it as much today, and I think it's still very relevant, is that uh, all this really amounts to, and this is, you know, from the attackers as well as us trying to defend, uh, it's all about uh, the people, process, and technology, right? Absolutely. So it's not about buying the, the, the coolest technology out there, or it's not about hiring the, you right. know, the biggest, baddest person that's really the cyber warfare guy or mm-hmm. whatever. It's, it's about... If you if you look at the attackers, they 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 run their, you know their their projects just like any other business, right? They bring people together in a meeting and they say, okay, look, you know we got here's the people you're going to do that you're going to do that, uh, here's the process we're going to use, uh, we're going to thoroughly describe how we're going to do this. Here here's the end result. Here's our strategy. We're going to use these underlying technologies to accomplish this. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're not doing the same thing. Then and you're thinking you're just going to buy the next hottest cool technology tool or something? Yeah, just solve your problem. You're, you're, you're missing you're missing the boat. So, um, I, I kind of wish we would come back and realize that uh, it was talked about for a while and kind of you know it seemed like there's a little bit of shift into other things now. But uh, really, that's to me that's what it really amounts to. I like it. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Right. I'll, I'll say a little more succinctly, if I may, is that next gen this all the cool you know applicationware stuff. That's neat. It's cool technology. I get it. And you know. I've made my living on it, so you know I'm not saying anything. But the reality of it is, a step back from it is, candidly, come on, people, patch your crap. <laughs> Realistically, I mean, come on, Crypto Locker it. was a 20 year old SMB vulnerability called Eternal Blue. Yeah. 20 year old vulnerability. You know, most everything you see out there, all this bad stuff is not brute force attacks. It's not somebody hacking a firewall. It isn't. Yeah. It's taking advantage of existing vulnerabilities. So patch your stuff. And if you can't because the dev is dead or whatever it is, the mission critical application, then learn to isolate it. You know, It's 2019, so the, the counterpoint is all that neat technology allows you to patch it. But real estate, remediation is always, always more expensive than prevention. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, if, if you're a CISO or a CIO in that role and you don't have the, the gumption to actually go in front of your boss and we need to patch our stuff, I think you should be fired. Yep. And that will be a very unpopular opinion. I, I welcome the hate mail goes to me, not these guys. Um, 
But real, that, that's the truth of it, right? Because it fundamentally, all, if all you're protecting is a garbage interior, it's still a garbage interior. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know what's really funny about that, David, is there was a book written, you're, you're probably very familiar with it, The Cuckoo's Egg, yep. Cliff Stoll, yep. a student at uh, what Berkeley University. And the, the setting in that was, what, 1980, I think? Mm-hmm. So a long time ago. Yeah. And what was it about, what you just said? Yeah. Patching. Yeah. Somebody didn't pat something, somebody sneak, snuck in. Yeah. Somebody didn't pat something else, and they took advantage of that. And so it's just, it was a matter of chasing and that. gratuitous shout-out, if you're logging your stuff properly, mm-hmm. and it goes to the right data source, and you have the right people on it, I bet you could probably find out where your holes are. Absolutely. <laughs> so we are exactly, according to our Splunk dashboards, four hours, four days, eight hours, and 18 minutes away from the beginning of conf. What are you most excited to either hear or see coming out of the conference? Oh, any one thing. How, how could I answer that? Uh, I, I guess another, another uh, just generalized answer to your, to your question, and that is for quite some time now, we've been hearing all year long about yeah, we're going to announce this at comp. Something's coming at comp. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to talk about anything right now. Just c- come to comp. So, you know, we're really all in suspense thinking about it. There's going to be a lot of stuff yeah. talked about and announced yeah. at comp because, uh, cool you know, there's been there's been the necessary things happen mm-hmm. during the year. But yeah. uh, there, there should be some pretty significant things going on all the way from the, you know, the, the, the products, the technologies, the acquisitions, uh, where we're going in the future. Just that that whole ball. So yeah. I'm a technologist at heart, so shiny stuff's always cool as well. But for me again, you know, it's it's great. I mean I get to see some of my counterparts from across the pond. I don't get to see very often. You know, a good friend of mine's coming in from London, so I get to hang out with him. I'm sure one morning as a result will be absolutely horrifying. Um, but again, you know, it's the workshops too. You know, it's getting in there actually and saying, what are you actually doing? Right? I mean, you know, the marketing whizzy stuff, that's neat, don't get me wrong, and that's what we're there, but it's you know, what are you actually doing with it? And it's that whole like, holy crap. You're doing that with that? I didn't know you could do that. Those those are things to me. That's the coolest part, right? That's the stuff that you don't get from white paper. You don't get from, you know, an, a, a main stage keynote presentation. Absolutely. It's the, whoa, that's really cool. You know, you can then you gratuitously steal that from people and I vice versa. So. I love it. Well, gentlemen, it's been awesome to chat with you about what Arrow's doing from an IoT and cybersecurity perspective and how your partner with Splunk. But I want to shift gears. We've had some fun learning from you professionally. We want to uh, learn a little bit about more about you personally. Uh, and I want to say thank you again for sponsoring the Big Data Beards. We're happy to have you here. Uh, but we're going to let Brett Roberts ask you our questions that we like to call rapid fire. A lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call rapid fire. Pew, pew. So what's the last book that you've read that you would recommend to our listeners? I reread the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I went and saw the movie It, so I reread that and then the Dark Tower series. Strong. It was good. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> what about you, Frank? Well, it's actually a book that I picked off my shelf and read again. Uh, and actually, it's, it's not about all the contents in the book. It's just about what the theme of the book, raving fans. Right? All it's right. Just, if everybody you're dealing with, if there's a raving fan, I mean, how good is how much better can that get? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then all of our raving fans for the Big Data Beer podcast are chiming in right now. It's perfect. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Shout out, Mom. <laughs> all right. So, Frank, if you had to have a, to pick a song that you would have played when you walk on stage for some conference, what would that song be? Oh. I'll make you feel better. This is the question that stumps everyone. Yeah. I only have mine. You finally have no, yours? I don't. So you could just turn it around on Brett and ask him. Uh, you got me. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of some, uh, probably something 
an old hard rock song. All right. Uh, can't. I mean, like Guns N' Roses, ACDC, something, yeah, like that, something like that. that frame. So I got 30 seconds to think about it. So yeah, Train, of, Train of Consequences by Megadeth. I love the riff in that Strong. song. It's awesome. Yeah. All right, love it. Coming All hard. Right. So, Devin, what piece of technology is currently making your life worse? <sighs> Next generation firewalls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In your line of work, me. I could see that being a yeah. real royal pain. Yeah. Because no one migrates them properly. <laughs> what about you, Frank? What piece of technology is making your life worse? Making it worse? Um, probably my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your likes HP laptops. Yep, yep. There's a bunch of going to be raving fans on there that's that right. fix Frank's laptop. So just <laughs> that's right. All right. So Frank, staying with you, what is your biggest personal money pit right now? Um, an old house that I'm restoring. Yeah. yeah, that can uh, that How can old is dollars. It? Uh, it's about forty years old. Oh, nice! It's right in the sweet spot where everything goes wrong. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, a house is just a it's it, it's a revolving cycle, right? About Absolutely. the time you get something fixed, and you get all the way around with mm-hmm. this time to fix it again, so mm-hmm. it never goes away. Yeah. I hear you. What about you? I still own the first car I ever owned. This is nineteen fifty six Chevrolet one fifty. Wow! So, no yeah. kidding. New motor, new transmission, new brakes, new suspension, and weirdly, it cost me money in other things like handbags purses <laughs> stuff like that because the companion purchase <laughs> yeah it's weird how that works yeah it's really weird how that works like okay. i know that transmission only costs that but where the so but, but yeah. the michael's cores bag would look yeah beautiful oh, no, no. It, Go, so. yeah no 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 it's uh yeah i'm like hey how much was that she goes how much is your new transmission i <laughs> we don't have to talk about this exactly. anymore exactly marriage is awesome <laughs> all right so what show are you binging on right now i have been watching the blacklist Okay. Yeah. I've seen... I'm about three seasons behind, so shut up. Okay. So okay. I'm on you season one. Okay. So I'm Keep going. Go. Keep going. <laughs> it's worth it. Keep going. Absolutely. All right. Yep. Frank, what about you? I'm not binging any particular shows. All right. Um, I'm kind of more... Uh, if anybody knows me and knows, I'm, I'm kind of eclectic. I, I like a little bit of everything, and I try to force myself to not just stay too focused. You know, I never go on vacation the same place. I never watch the same show. I, I just, I'm all over the place. All over the place. Trying Love to make, it. keep it really mixed up. Or, you force make, or, or the counterpoint is that you just are afraid to make a commitment. Or that. <laughs> or you have ADD like me and you can't ever keep your mind on the same thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, what you say? <laughs> <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> all right. So last one, Frank. Where's the next interesting place that you're going to be going to? Well, probably not comp next week okay. yeah, buddy. That's, that's an easy answer yeah <laughs> i like it now you're from atlanta georgia that right? can't be the so right answer you at least, anywhere that isn't 90 plus degrees has got to be pretty interesting at this point yeah i'm enjoying that yeah how about you Dave? i actually get to go back over to london next month yeah so, yeah i mean nice. good to be, go back over and see some of my friends over there so good times well gentlemen it has been awesome to have you on the big data beard podcast thank you again thank it's you for great. your support of thank the road you. trip to comp thank you for your partnership with arrow and Splunk and Dell Technologies, we've uh, we've had so much fun on the road trip talking with all the companies that have been part of it. And we'll see you on the next Big Data Beard podcast, and we'll see you down the road. Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard podcast. This amazing adventure would not be possible without our incredible sponsors. We thank you, Dell Technologies, VMware, Red River Technologies, Aero Electronics, and Converging Data for making the road trip to Splunk.conf 2019 possible. And be sure to smash that thumbs up button so we can keep the episodes coming. Until next time, keep being awesome.